Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Truly talented ladies nominated for best performance by an actress are Liza Minnelli in Cabaret, Diana Ross in Lady Sings the Blues, Maggie Smith in Travels with My Aunt, Cicely Tyson in Sounder, Lee Ullman in The Immigrants. And the winner is Liza Minnelli. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and today we're going to be talking about some gay royalty. We're going to be talking about Liza, uh, Ceremony Year 1973, winning Best Actress. And today I am joined by drag superstar Wilma Fingerdo, who has a new series up on YouTube called Makeup and Movies. There are nine episodes up already, and there's new episodes out every Friday. Wilma, welcome. Thank you. How are you? I am not doing good. Oh, <laughs> why? What happened? Come on. I just can't deal with this pandemic. I've reached my limit, girl. Like, oh, yeah. I, I it's I live in a one bedroom with my apartment and he had with with my I live in a one bedroom apartment with my boyfriend is what I try. Your boyfriend to say, is I, the apartment. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my stroke and in installment. Sorry about mm. that. Um, And he has to work from home and he <gasps> is on a business conferences all day long. <gasps> uh. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been it's yeah. been over a year of that. So. Yeah. Whereas I have I was built for uh, a pandemic. I was built for a lockdown. Oh, I love it. Like, cause well, see me. I like to listen. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love to be antisocial. I love to just get stoned yeah. and watch old movies. Great. But like all the time, no, no, no. Like, it's I've reached my limit. Well, you know what's funny is in this last two years, I quit my job to work from home. And I only work for YouTube, like I for my own channel. That's amazing. Good for yeah, you. Yeah. So I mean, I I mean, I'm literally chained to my computer. I'm either filming or I'm editing or I'm filming, and uh, it, it can be a bit of a, a downer. But the fact that this last two years we haven't really been encouraged to go out and talk to people mm-hmm. has really kind of forced me into a routine. And mm-hmm. I mean, I have a nice balcony. So I can literally just go sit outside in good weather without leaving my house. So I'm not in my house all the time, in my apartment all the time. But um, it, I can see, I mean, I, I totally understand anybody who's getting down about it. But mm-hmm. I don't, I'm actually kind of dreading having to go out in public. <laughs> <laughs> I've always kind of been like that. Like one thing I hate <laughs> in this world is I hate grocery shopping but i love cooking but i hate going to the store i hate being around people i hate like i'm just yeah i'm just like that i'm i'm slowly like going into like my bitter old queen phase because i just (laughs) i I like being home but there is definitely there is a limit and i and it it has been reached yeah my my, no please continue i was just gonna say my favorite discovery of the pandemic (laughs) is grocery delivery yes like i i don't know why i was going to the grocery store before and the amount of money to have it delivered is well worth the joy of not having to deal with people. <laughs> I get it. No, yeah. I completely. I'll, maybe I'll look into that. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a lot to cover here, so let's yes. just sort of jump right into it. So before we do, uh, so the year, the uh, ceremony year is 1973. Best director went to Bob Fosse for 
Cabaret Best Picture went to The Godfather, and everybody was freaking out that Francis yeah. Ford Coppola didn't win, even though he has five Oscars. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, best Actor went to Marlon Brando, Mr. Sexy Pants. Best Supporting Actor went to Joel Grey for Cabaret. And Best Supporting Actress went to Eileen Heckart for Butterflies Are Free, a movie with Goldie Hawn. Yeah. So before, uh, oh, you know, let's actually jump because I've already talked about before we were recording. I mentioned Cicely Tyson so many times. Let's the first person let's talk about. Let's talk about Cicely Tyson in the movie Sounder. Mm -hmm. For anybody that has not seen this movie, Sounder is uh, a film uh, that was extremely groundbreaking for the time because it's about a black family during the Depression that is represented in a positive, loving way. And um, it's not so much the black exploitation that a lot of America was probably used to up until this point in history. Yeah, Um, nobody got called names. Nobody shot people down. That's right. (laughs) There weren't unnecessary polyester fur blends going on. There were there. It was a it was a really refreshing movie. And basically, this movie is about um, a very poor family. The husband uh, steals food. He gets caught. He goes to jail. And it's yeah. really just sort of the struggle that the family has to go through dealing with the fact that they have to maintain the farm while he's gone. And Cicely Tyson as the matriarch of the family. Now, before we get into it, I will say that Cicely Tyson was for sure a supporting role, not so much a lead, but the rules were different back then. This was also the first time that they had two black actors nominated for Best Actor and Best Actress. The second time was What's Love Got to Do With It with Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne. And the third time was this year for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and uh, it was Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. Isn't that sad? Let's just start with that. Yeah. Oscar That's the so saddest. White. Yes. Yeah. The, I, I, you know, every time, like when I was watching Sounder, I kept... I actually had to look up some of the backstory to it because I was watching it going, I don't understand why this film was nominated. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) But then when you see what was being given people for entertainment at the time, Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, now I get it. Well, and that's just it. Everything, and that's why I've, um, the farthest I've gone back is to the 40s. It was for Olivia de Havilland's, I think her second Oscar for To Each His Own. But what the point that I'm making is that this Oscar has kind of forced me to learn a little bit more about history and the yeah. context of why a film might be popular. Yeah. And I think that this type of movie for the time would have been groundbreaking because of the black exploitation films that were going on, like Shaft and things like that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the screenwriter, Lon Elder III, that's a very fancy name, became yes. the first African-American to be nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, really? Yeah. And the first this, in 72, huh? Wow. And this was the first time ever that two black women were nominated in the same year uh, because yeah. uh, uh, Diana Ross was also right. nominated for right. the Blues. And the second time was this year for Andrew Day and Viola Davis. So yeah, we uh, and oddly not- enough, ladies like uh, Billie Holiday story. That's right, exactly. You know, it's just yeah. ridiculous. It's the type of representation that they like to nominate with for black yeah. people and bla- so yeah. There's, but what? Okay, but what did you think about this movie? Because I actually liked it. I love you know the one thing. It's hard to watch historical films. Mm-hmm when they're done through the eyes of a white person because black people are really reduced to like not just poor but stupid and and even though everyone relies on them to do everything for them they're too lazy to do they're they're completely unproductive or uncontributive to society in those eyes so 
what I liked about this film, because it was the depression, mm. there's a tenacity that I think uh, African-Americans in America had by nature of how they were treated um, prior to the depression that made them like the depression didn't affect them that much. Do you know what I mean? They, they not much changed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and, and so uh, their adaptability, like this, there's that great scene where uh, they just played a baseball game and yeah. th- this wasn't, this wasn't, teams from different towns and everything. This was just the community playing baseball, but they were watching it like it was the world series. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, sorry. Oh no, I, I was, no, continue, continue. I just, I just, there was, there's that joy and you didn't often see that in movies that way. It was always like, maybe they were the, 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 the black folk were singing at church and a white person walked in and shut it down. Like it was usually right. that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so I, I like I like that. I think that um, to be honest with you, because I don't like to I don't like to read um, a description of movies or I don't like to watch trailers. I like to just like watch it and just be like, where is this right. going? Because you know, there's a lot of banjo music and I'm like, Ugh, this is going to yeah. go deliverancey. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, it's around that kind of time. Yeah. But then like um, when you kind of see I think where Cicely Tyson was really shining a lot in this movie was a lot of the like subtleties of things where she would go into town whenever her husband got arrested and then she would go up to the sheriff, but she knew that she couldn't really do anything about it. And she didn't really have any kind of say about like what was going to happen to her husband. But then she also kind of like, um, you could tell that she was very calculated and she knew like where she stood and she seemed very powerless, but she seemed like you said, very tenacious. And she yeah. turned, like she turned those crops around and they like, yeah. you know, were like, Oh wow, you guys did a great job. Like they were shocked. <laughs> and- well, Cause she was not only black, but she was a woman. I mean, if you want to find something lower than a dog after it's been kicked, mm-hmm. that's where you went. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like on the pecking order of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the thing I love about Cicely Tyson, just as an actor anyway, is that she inserts herself into these stories without any, you, you don't see any of the wires or, or the workings. Like you don't ever see behind the curtain. You just, she's just presented as this person. And even though you know it's Cicely Tyson, mm-hmm. you completely accept her as that person. I completely, completely agree with you. And it's yeah. that... The way that I would describe it or the way I experienced that was like you could tell that she just wanted to snap all the time, but she couldn't. No. And it was like that's very hard to do because you're not – you're acting, but you're like not Mm -hmm. saying words. So that's hard. But she was also playing the wife of a man who was trying to provide for their family who is in jail. And now here she is as a – black woman in the thirties in Southern America mm-hmm. wanting to pop off, but she got three kids at home. Mm-hmm. Like if anything tells you, this is not the time or place to be letting, you know, uh, it, it's, it's the opposite of that would have been Oprah Winfrey in the color purple, mm-hmm. you know, oh. like she, she popped off and <laughs> all hell broke loose. So Cicely Tyson's character in this movie, I think is very aware Mm-hmm. of how far to push the line and and it's not far uh you you brought up an interesting part about this movie like just not knowing anything about it and there was a lot of banjo playing in that mm-hmm. and because we're i i mean this is the first time i've watched it in 2000 
2012, is it? Is that where we... Is that where yeah, we're I know, right? now? What I year is it? I don't yeah, even I know. know anymore. But um, <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, two th- uh, but in the, I never heard of this film before. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. That was that was the whole thing. It's like, oh, God, who who's going to get lynched? Who's going to get... Like, what's... You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Who's setting whose house 100%. on fire? Yeah, and and it wasn't that movie at all, and that's kind of when I realized, oh, this is a different movie, and that's what made it so enjoyable to yeah. watch because it wasn't those typical kind of tropes. Right. I, you know, I will say that um, it was a little frustrating because about an hour, five minutes, hour and ten minutes into the movie, you don't really see her that much anymore. Like she's no. she's in the movie, yeah, but she's not like the son or the father. No. Um, uh, which is why a lot of people were saying this is kind of category fried a little bit, but she actually won the national board of review of review for best actress in the national society of film critics awards. So like this role yeah. and in this film was very critically acclaimed. So I think a lot of people were kind of wondering like, well, is she going to win? Like she might win. She, yeah. She had a very quiet strength in the movie too, which I think is, it's hard to put on film and, for her to be acknowledged for that, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, we need to nominate a black woman. Who's it going to be? Well, there were only two right. movies. Do you know what I mean? There was right. no pressure on the Oscars in 1972 to acknowledge anybody. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she she did. And I mean, this is this movie. It's not I'm, I'm going to say it was a cultural milestone, but it's not a classic film in that. Right. Short of its social representation and the way it changed uh, black representation in film and opened the door for uh, African Americans to represent themselves in film, mm-hmm. it's not it's not a, a a big film. It's not a groundbreaker. It's uh, short of that. It's not uh, you know it, it's not even a really great movie. It's a good story. Yeah, but I'll tell you, I spent the first twenty minutes going. It's the whole thing is named after that dog and they shot, shot it in the face. Like, what am I watching? You know? So for me, it took me a while to kind of really get into it because all the questions that came up to me were all just technical or, or, um, you know, I had to actually stop the film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, not historical to the film, historical to the time. I actually had to stop the film to just look up some details about it. And the fact that the book that the movie is based on, actually deals with the dog more like the dog's more of a lead character in the in the book which is why it's called sounder and i'm just sorry that i mean i understand they wanted to to uh um pay homage to the writer uh william armstrong i think his name was but um i it should have been called something else because even the name of the movie it's like what is this yeah, I think the dog was supposed to represent like family togetherness. So like yeah. that's why the dog disappears at one. But like, like Cicely Tyson, he hides under the house for most of the movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, I just have one little fact, and then I think that we should move on to our next yes, nominee. Yes. But um, the cinematographer for the movie, whenever Nathan finally comes home and she runs to see yes. him, um, was like bawling his eyes out when he was doing this shot, and he thought that he ruined it. And they were like, "Oh my god, that was a perfect scene." And they like thought, okay, we have to reshoot this and blah, blah, blah. And then it turns out that they spent all this money reshooting it. But it turns out he actually did get it the first time around. And they spent uh, all this money for no reason. <laughs> I cried. I cried during that scene. Yeah. It was, she was, she was so great. So, yeah. so great in this movie. Yeah. But, um, but that's, okay. that's the beauty of Cicely Tyson. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. She's. Yeah. I think this is her only Oscar nomination. I'm pretty sure. And isn't that a little bit sad? Yeah. Now I know. Um, okay. So let's talk about our next nominee. This is in no particular order. This is just the movies that, uh, uh, this is the order that I watch the movies in. So let's talk about uh, Diana Ross in Lady Sings the Blues, portraying mm-hmm. Billie Holiday mm-hmm. in a very <laughs> inaccurate representation Ugh. of Billie Holiday. Um, talk about black exploitation. <laughs> like, like, so um, I believe this was like Motown that bought the rights to this. And it was actually originally supposed to be uh, Dorothy Dandridge that was cast in this. But unfortunately, she passed away. Um, right. And in this movie, uh, Diana Ross like fought for this role. Nobody thought that she would be appropriate for it because at the time she was really just known for disco and like yeah. um, the uh, Diana Ross and the uh, Supremes and the, and the Supremes. Yeah. And um, so people were like, no, kind of like yeah. when Lady Gaga was in A Star Is Born. I think a lot of people yeah. were like, oh, maybe. But well, like, but Lady Gaga could play A Star Is Born because the person she was playing wasn't anybody specific. There is nobody. <laughs> there is nobody that sounds less like Billie Holiday in my mind than Diana Ross. And that's the but thing is that she yeah. killed it. I mean, it might not mm-hmm. be the right representation of Billie Holiday. It may have been a sensationalized story, but if it was just a film about a singer, if they had called it anything else mm-hmm. and had it been about a fictitious woman from right. the same period, it kind of was Diana yeah. Ross killed it. Yeah. No, she like, did. Good for her. Like she fought for that and she followed through. Like so many people fight for things like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say Lucille Ball wanting to be Mame. Like shame on her. Shame right. on her. <laughs> <laughs> but literally when we're talking about um, this specific movie, you are 100% yeah. correct that A, she did not sound anything like her. <coughs> it was very much Diana Ross playing a version of, mm-hmm. but she said that she did not want to do a an impression of Billie yeah. Holiday. She wanted to have the spirit, yeah. and so I think that's kind of just a way of defending <laughs> your work. But at yeah. the same time, it's like no, girl, like you just weren't Billie Holiday at all. But uh, it was a fantastic performance. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I will but say it was this: so long for yeah. no reason, though. Oh, it just two hours going. of my life. Oh, uh, it just kept going for yeah. no reason. There like they could have the- cut, they could have cut forty minutes off of that film without hurting it at all. Easily, and the yeah. interesting parts, like when she goes to rehab or she yeah. goes to jail, they yeah. just make it a photo montage. You're like, that's yeah. an interesting. I want to see that. I don't need to see like twenty minutes of her like yeah. slurring her words on stage and then falling and stumbling around like a dressing room and then like fighting somebody for. It's like can. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> Richard you know, Richard Pryor was great in this movie too. He well. Let's. I'm. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say a lot of stand-up comics tend to be very good actors. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 have that sense of natural conversation because most good stand-ups sound like they're having that conversation with an audience for the very first time. Nobody mm-hmm. realizes they've been touring that material for a year or two mm-hmm. and developing it. So I was not surprised at how good Richard Pryor was in that. He really he stole the show because I expected nothing. Yeah, he actually instructed Diana Ross how to be when she was high on drugs. Yeah, I bet he did. Didn't he grow up in a whorehouse? I I don't know, but I I, there's got to be some reasons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think I think I remember hearing something about that. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I I think I think that's a thing. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I don't know a lot about his life either, but I know he didn't have an easy one for sure, Mm -hmm. and. 
you know, when you have that kind of life, even if like maybe you didn't participate in stuff, but you were privy to it or, or standing there while it was going on, mm-hmm. you can't not use that in in something at, like acting or singing or even mm-hmm. joke telling. I mean, you can't tell a joke unless you understand what's sad about it. Do you know well, what I mean? That's why artists are so fucked up, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. So this was the first African-American biopic to be nominated for um, an Academy Award. And um, here's the thing. The screenplay was nominated, and I got to say – uh, maybe this was not your vibe, but I had a very hard time understanding why Diana Ross's Billie Holiday was as depressed, why she was spiraling, why she was using drugs so much, like why she, because there was a little bit of like, remember whenever she like pulled over on the bus and you saw that like black yeah. guy that was like hanging from a tree, you're like, holy yeah. fuck. Yeah. And then, um, but she's not in the South for very long. And then she goes back to New York. So you're like, was it because she was raped? Was it because she was like a prostitute or is it all of that? Like, I don't know if I understood that. Yeah. Part. And she was very, um, I can't remember where it was. Somebody, I wrote this down. There was a description of her that someone said that she was, uh, Billie Holiday was a big, bold, gutsy, and full of presence life type of girl. But Diana plays her as a sweet, anemic victim. And I kind of agree with that. I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing, but it just wasn't Billie Holiday. Well, I just, I just, no, it wasn't. And this is again, why I think they did themselves a disservice by not, leaving the Billie Holiday name aside. Mind you, they might not have got it made if they hadn't. Do you know what I mean? That's very true. Yeah, And that one song, A Strange Fruit, is they don't even really hang the whole movie on that hook. But when she does experience harsh segregation in the South and lynching, Mm -hmm. it is a turning point in her character. Like that is when the drugs start. And you know, she might not have been depressed, but you go on drugs long enough and you, you, you're not happy. I'll tell you that, you know, right? it's so I, I don't know. It was, um, I don't like implication though. I want, yeah. I want to see it. Give it's me a, a visual, reason. Yeah. It's a visual media yeah. I, and I'm a visual person. I yeah. gotta, or maybe they couldn't show cause of like content. Cause I don't know, like yeah. maybe, I don't know, but I, I, or fa- maybe the I, director sucked. Well, maybe um, Sydney Fury just wasn't able to, you know, or maybe the editing, maybe that's why so much of it was in photos because the stuff they chose to focus on eclipsed the stuff that they filmed, you know, I don't know. Cause there were some weird choices for this film. It's, it's, but as somebody who was born in 66 and really didn't watch movies until this, mm-hmm. like star Wars, 1977, I remember seeing that. Uh, right. But I, there's a, to me, there's a lot of films prior to the mid seventies that aren't good films. Like if you were to right. put that up against other films today, they wouldn't mm-hmm. have garnered the attention they did. Oh God, no. You know, so it, it's hard to say. And like, as we said with Sounder, it's the first time that people had been portrayed this way. And with mm-hmm. Lady Sings the Blues, I mean, this was, you know, I mean, in the first 10 minutes, she's she's a, a young girl who gets gets raped. Yeah. And, and works in a whorehouse, you know, and, yeah. and, and a couple of them, you know, mm-hmm. it's no, uh, 
it's there was yeah it was a it was a dark it was a very very dark film it was very heavy material i think diana ross carried it very well i think that again she really was just i mean you know i've I've said this so many times already but she was obviously just doing her version of it but yeah um also one thing that i thought was kind of interesting and um, i'm assuming this was a character choice but you know how her eyes were always kind of like half closed when she was on stage i kept thinking like is she doing that on purpose or is she kind of doing like a sexy thing? I actually think that that was her trying to demonstrate to the audience that like she was really high on stage. Mm-hmm. I think that's what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, 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 there was also a quality when she sang, like this is the thing I did like about her singing. It wasn't Diana Ross singing. Like it wasn't classic. Like, hi, I'm Diana Ross and I'm going to stop in the name of love. You know what I right. mean? It was, it was, <laughs> A little more, uh, there was a, a little more gravitas to her voice. I mean, she was singing, uh, she didn't do a Billie Holiday, but she definitely was adjacent. There was some inflection, there was some drawling. And uh-huh. I I looked at it as a combination of, because um, she was like that in the, the beginning, like that first scene, that first singing scene in the uh, cafe where the ladies are picking up the, the tips with their thighs. Um it's uh she had that look on her face then so i don't know if it could have been the lights yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean which is weird that she was taking a moral obligation uh, an objection to that when two seconds ago she was a hooker i was like i don't well know. she did she did quit the business because a big band yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the shining yeah, yeah. oh my god oh Statman um, crothers what a sweetheart but uh yeah the i that whole scene it was interesting too because i think her whole life, like they really instill in the early stages, regardless of what's going on around her, she didn't want that life. Mm-hmm. And I think when she left the business, she left it. Like, I'm not doing that ever again. And then when she gets her singing gig and she thinks, oh, I can be a singer. And it's like, no, people just want to look at my skirt. It's like, ugh, yeah. is it like she, this everywhere? Yeah, yeah, it was, <laughs> it, you know, like it, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing for women to have to f- deal with. It's, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I think though I think though that her Oscar moment was um, when she was fighting uh, her boyfriend there in the bathroom, and yeah. he was like he broke in, and she was like on the. It was a very real, dark sort of moment that we see a lot more commonly in movies like Requiem for a Dream, for example. But I feel like watching somebody you know, be addicted to drugs on film during this time was probably Uh, very like, whoa. And to see something so dark and real like that, I I felt like her Oscar moment was either that or when she found out when her mom died and she wasn't at the hospital because she was at the club and she decided to not go because she she was too busy getting high and stuff. That was another like, wow, like kind of moment. So she brought, she really brought it in this movie. It was a fantastic performance. Was it Billie Holiday? No. But was yeah. it like uh, Diana Ross, like killing it? Yes. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I would have put money down that she couldn't have made me believe that she was strung out on heroin in a movie. Right. And that whole opening sequence to the movie, like to me, that's the Oscar moment. Where she's that's like, that's Diana Ross. Like right away, this movie takes that moment to say, this is not what you're going to be seeing. Right. And it's her being incarcerated and then drying out in isolation. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. yes it's yes. awful. It's awful. And she, like when they close in on her face and the whole movie goes into flashback, it's like, oh my God. 
Like that's a lot of <laughs> drama. <laughs> right uh, off the top. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there was no there was no uh light flighty singer there. It was a, f- a huge full blown actor performance. So I guess then for this, then what we do is if anybody has an issue with any of this movie, you just have to be like, well, just take it up with the director because Diana Ross was bringing it. Um, well, yeah, I really do. I think the choices that were made for this movie uh, had like, I really feel that all the choices for this movie were either financially driven or um, uh decided by other people like the the actors could only do what they were doing mm-hmm. you know like the worst thing i think about this movie no offense is billy d williams only in that he's stunning yeah but anybody could have played that part that was the boyfriend right yes yes he, uh, yeah he kind of had like a bit of a Lawrence fishburne like with really nice clear skin going on yeah like, yeah a little bit uh, okay, so let's move on to the next um, nominee. But just before we do, one of the biggest criticisms of Lady Sings the Blue was that John Hammond, the famous producer and talent scout who discovered her, uh, which is a huge part of her story and her life, mm-hmm. never happened in the movie. And that was one yeah. of the biggest criticisms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let us talk about uh, Maggie Smith in Travels with My Aunt. Oh, wow. This A.K.A. Was, um... the other auntie name. <laughs> <laughs> Or oh, anti-name on drugs. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So this movie was, uh, I, listen, loved this movie. It's yeah. so camp. Yeah. It's, she's a drag queen. And literally, yeah. um, it's it's either directed or produced or both by George Cukor. So there's a lot of like little gay winky yeah. winks to yeah. it. Yeah. Um. So basically, Maggie Smith is this like fabulous aunt who's very eccentric, big personality. Yeah. Who just goes up to her spoiler alert like 40 year old spoiler alert but her son but he's she's like oh he's fully grown he's an adult and then she's yeah. like i'm your aunt and i need Ta-da! You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she has to because uh, her her husband is like kidnapped and there's like a ransom yeah. and she needs his help to go and get him and then on the way like you find out she has another son the the story was a little confusing but like i loved watching maggie smith in this movie but it was extremely one note on maggie smith yeah yeah well and again you know this is a typical 1970s early 1970s film because it was more shock value than Mm -hmm. uh substance you know, I think the thing that made people go, oh, my God, it's a sensation. It's the same thing with Valley of the Dolls. I'm never going to tell you that's a good movie or a good book. <laughs> you know, Sweet I've never Marie, seen that movie. Oh, my God, you're not missing a darn thing. And how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I watched, it's, yeah. it's just one of those things, I think, where the shock, like the a room full of women clutching pearls and sucking in breath so hard that ears pop that was mm-hmm. the sensationalism of it well with valley of the dolls the writer of it or the jacqueline um S- S- susan jacqueline she, suzanne yeah mm-hmm. 
she was basically responsible for this other movie that I had to do for this podcast called Once Is Not Enough. And honey, yeah. the movie should be called Once Is Plenty. It is oh, Once Is Too so, Much. But it's you also only one. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like super funny though. Yeah. Like it but not not on purpose, but it's yeah. super funny. Um oh, whenever you watch a lot of these old movies, do you ever notice that a lot of these actors, their like movie careers ended, but they all ended up on the Golden Girls? <laughs> like well, I watch the Golden Girls all yeah, the time, yeah. and all of the actors I recognize from every episode every, are from all yeah, of these movies. All of these movies, yeah. Well, they all had to go to pasture somewhere. Yeah, that's you know, correct. if if they weren't if they weren't fast enough to do the game show circuit, then they had to go somewhere. It's weird seeing Maggie Smith though in this movie with red hair because I only know her as an old woman. Like, oh, movie. have you not seen the Prime of Miss Jean Brody? No, I'm saving it because I like to. Oh, I like, yeah, I, I I only like to watch movies unless I'm doing like a um, right. like an episode about it because I find right. I'm more passionate about it. Right. Um. Yeah, my but... first viewing of Maggie Smith was the prime of Miss Jean Brody. So mm. I've watched her age. And the fun thing about her in this Travels with My Aunt is they age her for the present day work. Right. And she plays the flashbacks beautifully because you're like, oh my <laughs> God, she looks fantastic. Like all of a sudden that red hair and heavy eye makeup makes sense. Yes. Younger. I, I noticed that because I, I, cause like I, the, the, the version that I was watching was like kind of like a crappy version. So you couldn't really tell that they aged her that well because right. it was a really crappy version. Right. And then when they were doing the younger scenes, I'm like, did they just change her wig? <laughs> like what did yeah. they, looks yeah. kind of the same. And I'm sure um, that there was some face taping going on, you know, just to pull stuff back a bit, but. but I have face taping going on right now myself. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I got tape, but it's not on my face. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can cross my legs. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so her son is obviously gay, and I, yeah. it was really cute because he yeah. his pastime is that he cultivated dahlias. Dahlias, darling. Come and say my dahlias, and I the, love the that. Difficult tubers. Let me tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't stop going on about his dahlias. I've never yeah. been with a woman, but I have so many dahlias, and you're like, yeah. so oh. that's probably why, right there. That's the yeah. reason. <laughs> <laughs> Scaring them up. Put the flowers um, down. <laughs> <laughs> and go and crush some push. No, he. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, but listen, I couldn't take my eyes off of her in this movie. It is yeah. camp perfection. She's yeah. so flamboyant. I think that her one real acting moment is when she they try to get into Turkey. The authorities throw back, <laughs> and then she's like, she's all mad at him, and she's like, I. She's and then she tells him that she, that she's the mother, and she's like yeah. crying a bit. That's really the yeah. only range that she brings to that role because the rest yeah. of it is all very campy and very one note. Well, she's, I mean, it's the, that great, this is like, uh, the book I'm sure is a fabulous read. Like Auntie Mame the book is. Uh, anything by uh, Noel Coward or, or um, I'm trying to think of these gay writers that uh, were also fabulous. Um, uh, the importance of being earnest, you know, the, the yes, where yes, the dialogue is, is sparkling, but no one's saying anything. Oh, and about Howell, wasn't Howell one of them? He's like a gay yeah, guy. yeah, and th like just to me, there's this this uh, abundance of vocabulary. Uh, you know, like the uh, the adjective lives well in these <laughs> these types of uh, pieces of work. And you need an actor that's able to make that 
all those words sound natural coming out of their mouth because nobody mm-hmm. talks like that. Nobody talks like that. And the only person that talks like that is one that's created uh, by a writer who's able to make every sentence perfect. Well, I mean, how about this? So George Cukor, George Cukor originally yeah. offered this to Catherine Hepburn, who, you know, talks ridiculously. And yeah. She uh, hated the script, so yeah. she rewrote it. Yeah. And then three weeks before shooting, she backed out and Maggie Smith stepped in. And yeah. honestly, I could weirdly see Catherine Hepburn doing this, you know, with that sort of voice. Yeah. Like I could see her doing yeah. and doing this part justice. Well, I don't think she would have talked like that in 72, 71. Uh, well, she yet. always talked. She always she, like, even she in had the Lion a, in winter. She had yeah. that. Uh, yeah. uh, she <laughs> had a of... voice for sure. But the thing um, I because uh, was this the version? Like I, I know I, I read that that Catherine Hepburn had written it, but uh, was this the version or she had written? It, yeah. yeah, rewrote. No, yeah. I because I would. I don't think it is. In my mind, I don't think it is. I think this is closer to the original book or or maybe the original screenplay. Well, uh, no, I'm a, I'm going to stop you right there okay. because that was uh, uh, the other thing that I read. Source the source novel author said that he hated the movie so much that he ad- he admitted that he walked out of the theater after five minutes. So it probably wasn't. Well, if he walked out of the out of a movie that was based on a book he'd written angrily. I would think that they had stuck to his work. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if they had rewritten it in total, what would he care? Right. But um, either Wait, way. Because you're saying like artists, like because we're self-loathing. So we like, so when we see like. Our no, work, I just like, think that we... his ego, he would sit there. He might be angry that they didn't use his work at all. And I see what you're saying there. But if they had used his work, it's like Stephen King with the original Shining. It's like, that sucked. It's like, well. <laughs> Maybe you need an editor in your life, Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These giant books. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll tell well, you the thing that threw me for a friggin' loop, though. Cindy mm. Williams. Mm. Like, I've only ever known her to be a bad actress on Laverne and Shirley. Okay, I don't know who Cindy Williams is. Cindy Williams was Shirley on Laverne and Shirley, the TV show with uh, Penny Marshall. But what, like, in this movie, who is she in this movie? Tuli, the girl on the train. Oh yeah, 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 and like I've—if you close your eyes while she's on screen, it's her voice. Like you can't get away from Shirley Feeney, okay. and uh, but I had never known her. Like she was one of those people on a sitcom where I thought, where the hell did they come from? Because I didn't think she was particularly good on Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> uh, like, the character wasn't great. Like, she wasn't right. a likable character for me at my right. age at the time I was watching it. Um, and so it's like the mother on One Day at a Time. It's like, where did Bonnie Franklin come from? How did she end up with a career? Because right. <laughs> you never really heard of them doing anything since. Now, Cindy Williams ended up popping in other sitcoms. Like, she was on Girlfriends for a couple of episodes in the uh, 90s. But, you know, like, to see her in a movie, like, that stopped me. I had, like, because I, <laughs> I think I was, while that scene was going on, I was looking away from, and I was like, oh, my God, who is that? And I turned. It's like, gee whiz. Yeah. Like, that just surprised the hell out of me. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, I I didn't really think much of that scene just because like whenever the son there was like smoking weed and he was like, yeah, gasp, what is what is this? I don't yeah. know. It's like, how do you not know that you're smoking weed, you fool? Yeah. Um. 
But George Cukor, though, um, this is completely off topic. Well, I I will get the train back on track for one second. But lies. No, but did you did you know that George Cukor was replaced as director of Gone with the Wind and was responsible for the entire look of Wizard of Oz? I no. did not know that. I did not know he was replaced as director of. I think for me, that's more the Gone with the Wind that I'm a bit like, oh, I didn't know that. But that's... oh, it would have been a much shorter and likable film if he'd stayed on <laughs> as director. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, people were shocked that Maggie Smith was nominated for this movie. The reviews were I would extremely be. mixed. I would have been too, yeah. And so her, she didn't even show. I, I mean, maybe she was filming or working, but she didn't even show up to the ceremony because she was like, "Yeah, right." Like, yeah, she, yeah. Um. Okay, so we, this one I am so excited to talk to you about because. <sighs> All right, let's talk about. And I, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong. Leave Ullman in the Emigrants. Yeah. Oh, you man. owe me three hours of my life. <laughs> three and a half. I do, I ah! want extended director. Oh no no no! I'll tell um, you. I'll be honest with you. Right now, I barely really watched the first one. <laughs> there was a point oh. where it's like just move or die. Which are you going to do? Something. Somebody's dying. Something. Somebody's emigrating. Get yeah. to it. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when she said that she wasn't going to make the trip and she might die on the boat? I was like, yes, I can stop watching her performance. And then the yeah. bitch lived. And yeah. I was like, fuck, yeah. don't get my hopes up. Because at that point, we were at the two hour and 30 mark. And I yeah. still had 47 minutes to go. Oh, my so, God. Okay, anybody listening? So The Emigrants is about a Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So it's a, it's about a bring a theory. lunch, bring a lunch, <laughs> and a thermos of coffee. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Maybe some maybe some booze. Maybe some booze. I don't um, know because you need to be alert. Like there's a lot of reading. It's all subtitled. That's oh, so. It's a Swedish film about yeah. Swedish people yeah. in 1843 yeah. or something. Yeah, and yeah because that was gripping the nation with its story. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You know, and it they they're like doing horribly. One of their children dies, and then they just decide that they're going to immigrate to Minnesota in America. And it's yeah. literally just a slow burn. It's start, yeah. I started the movie in 2019, and I finished <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Holy fuck! It didn't end. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> I understand the director clearly wanted to sleep with Liv. Then yeah. do it. Why do we have to watch this? <laughs> oh, she's gorgeous. No, she's and she funny. has that Swedish look, you know, just yeah. the blue eyes and the Which blonde hair. Which was very gorgeous. popular at the time, too, like because it was exotic and yet still white. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think the closest thing I can – anybody, if you don't know what this movie is, it's almost like picture The Village by M. Night Shyamalan, but not yeah. very interesting and everything yeah. is very Jorgen Fruit and Toodles. That's yeah. basically what this movie is. Yeah. And there's no twist. It's just this slow journey to America where – uh, they're getting sick and you really just see like what our ancestors had to do to come over to America, yeah. uh, which it's not that it's not interesting. It's just that is that a very entertaining movie to watch? Not really. No. But Liv Ullman's performance in this movie was incredible because Liv Ullman is a fantastic. She's one of the greatest European actors yeah. of all time, if not yeah. the, one of the greatest act actors mm -hmm. of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was fantastic in this movie. Yeah, she eats she eats that that's that scenery up. Like every time she's on screen, it's like what it's you don't right. even you don't even care what's going on anymore. Thank God, lives back. Lives back. <laughs> Come back in the room. <laughs> They said uh, when the, the opening credits, they give you like a, a like 
they're trying to let you know how small the town is. And they said, you know, we have uh, 20 clergymen and then we have like 10 farmers and we yeah. have three whores. And I'm yeah. like, three whores for tw- yeah. that. Those are some busy gals. Right yeah. There. yeah. Well, oh. and, and you know, the thing with small towns, uh, I did a play in Brockville, Ontario. It's a, it's a big town, but it's small comparatively. And there seems to be a church almost on every block of that, that town. Mm-hmm. Like when you, the smaller the town, the more the religion seems to have a, a, a grab of it, you know? And um, I, think I did a show in Brockville once. I, yeah. I think I liked it. They were, they were good. I love Brockville. Like I love a small town. Don't get me wrong, but I have never seen more teenage moms pushing mm-hmm. baby carriages and pregnant. Right. In my life. Right. <laughs> with that presence of religion in the background. Like Ugh. there was one church that was up on a hill that had a cross that was neon lit. And it's like, you have the electric hum of Jesus right there. And you all are having sex. Like, well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, God, the small town flavor, but okay. Yeah. So this, this movie and its sequel were nominated in the same year, but in different categories. That's yeah. the first and only time that's ever asked happened in Oscar history. Yeah. I should know the name of the sequel. I'm assuming it's called the immigrants. Cause it's called it the is. immigrants. Yeah. Is it called? There yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, yeah, this, listen, let's, okay, let's just focus on Liv for a second. So mm-hmm. um, when she th- had lice and she was on the boat yeah. when they were crossing over and she's freaking out and she yeah. calls that woman a whore and she's yeah. arguing uh, and she's like, you know, I'm going to scratch your eyes out. And I think maybe that was her Oscar moment because a lot of, and like with her child dying and stuff like yeah. that, it's just, when you watch Liv Ullman in these movies, it doesn't matter what language is in, it's like, she just is the character. She, It's so yeah. real. Like, she yeah. always plays it so real. And um, you always understand how she feels, even if it's a subtle or it's like a, a nonverbal type of communication. Yeah, She's clearly extremely gifted. And it's unfortunate that her only two nominations were for movies. The other one was for Face to Face. God. Well, that was another painful one, too. Um, also, I thought that this movie would be directed by famous Swedish director Ingmar Bergman because yeah. I loved it, Lev Ullman, but it was actually yeah. directed by Jan 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 when the uh, excommunicated priest is having that get together and then the other head priest comes in and is like, you need to shut this down. And then oh, yes, yes. big blonde curly hair. She's yeah. like, fuck you. Like you're such a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. You know, religion is both. I loved her in yeah, this movie. Yeah. She was, she was fantastic as well. Yeah. Could you imagine in the 1800s, regardless of the country, a woman talking even yes. with a priest like that in the room like that, like that, yeah. that was, uh, but yet for the seventies, it was also very au courant for the, the woman's movement. And so it, it, it was a real crossover from one period into another. Mm-hmm. I think um, that uh, Liv Ullman is very responsible for how a lot of um, modern actors approach their work yeah. because she really did bring such a sense of reality to each and every single one of her. Yeah. Have you ever seen Autumn Sonata with um, Ingrid Bergman? No. So Liv Ullman plays like the daughter and it's kind of like kind of a supporting role, kind of a lead right. role. It's kind of right. a little bit of both. She is incredible in that movie. Uh, I would recommend giving that one a watch. That one. Well, good. the thing that I liked about Liv Ullman in this film is 
if I start grocery shopping in my head or I start shifting, even sitting, like I start to shift around or I'm like, oh, I'm thirsty. Maybe I'll get something to do. Like the minute I'm out of the film, that's when all that stuff happens in my head. And that happened a lot in this movie, but not when she was on the screen. There's something, there was something about her honesty in the role that mm-hmm. made me just accept everything that she was saying and what was going on on those times. But then, you know, even watching like in the early part of the film where the, uh, the father, her husband's father uh, gets crushed under that big boulder. Yes. Like I, I was like, is he being crushed? Like I couldn't tell. Do you know what I mean? It's like, where's the sound effect? Where's the crack? Something, you That's know, right. like it yeah. just, but with her, she just sat there sometimes and it was riveting. Like whenever they finally got to America uh, and then she was like dead in the face on the train. Yeah. I was like, same girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've all been dead on the train girl. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. This was the first film to be nominated for best picture and um, best foreign language film. And it didn't win either of them. Yeah. Um, I would say that. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying this for effect or to be cute. I'm, I'm just stating it as a fact. Um, this has got to be one of the most painful movies I have ever seen for this podcast. And uh, I think a lot of people will disagree with me. I think a lot of people will be like, you don't understand film. Well, I understand entertainment and I was not entertained. Fantastic acting, a very realistic look at the American dream and, and, and what it would have been like for our ancestors. That doesn't necessarily mean that it is a movie that I would want to sit down and watch for three and a half hours. No, that's why they have the news. If I want real things, You know what I mean? Like I, this is the, 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 but this is the typical to me, what I envision the Oscars to be at this period. A lot of art films, like a lot Mm. of people were uh, in their lofty self-importance picking movies to be nominated. Like people hang art in a, in a gallery. It's like, well, you know, this represents that. It's like, I don't care. It's a red, it's a red splosh with a yellow circle. I don't care. (laughs) Right. <laughs> it doesn't go with the sofa. You know what I mean? I'm not laughing every five minutes. I mean, you know, there's a reason that like, for instance, with Sounder, that films like that weren't really put any money into because they didn't really make a lot of money. It, the, the Anything with shooting and, and like, this is why superhero films are so popular right now. And mm-hmm. as a footnote, if I have to watch one more superhero film, I'm going to become an evil villain. Do you know what I mean? Like this is, or make a gay superhero, then I'll watch. Oh, it. <laughs> you know, please! All porn stars are gay superheroes. Do you know? <laughs> this is true. Yeah, this is very true. But yeah, this um, is this is a film that I think is if you're a film student, yes, absolutely, watch it once. Uh, you can see things like um, uh, um, I'm trying to think who directed uh, uh, Blade Runner. Ridley Scott? Yeah. You can see this film's influences in stuff that Ridley Scott does. Or the film Dances with Wolves. These are films Mm -hmm. where the scenery, the location, Mm -hmm. is an actual character in the story. The cinematography is a huge Yes, Yes. And and the cinematography for this film is fantastic. I I mean, from the beautiful shots, but also the not beautiful. Like, you feel the cold of these mm. farmers working in the fields in, in the, the cold, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it's, it's very dour and, and every 
bit of it is there on film. So I think if you're studying film, see this. If you enjoy films, don't, because it will kill your joy. <laughs> it will make you hate films for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I, I, I need to go into therapy after watching this. Oh, I still oh. need three hours back. Some Somewhere or another, uh, three hours were raped from my life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, tri- tr- uh, trigger warning for anybody that is going to watch this movie. Yes. Do tr- there's a scene where they drown a cat. Yeah. Um, I did. That was no bueno for me. I didn't no, like watching no. it. No. And yet, you Just know what's funny is I remember my great aunt when I was growing up. So she was my mother's aunt. So she mm-hmm. was already in her 60s when I was a kid. And they would talk about, you know, living through the depression and that where uh, like my what happened was I, we had a dog that had puppies mm-hmm. and my aunt said, well, you should drown them. And it wasn't said in a mean way. It was a practical right. way. And it's like, and what are yeah. you high? We actually yeah. gave one of the puppies to the pizza delivery guy as a tip. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I would rather that than drown a puppy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Yeah. Okay. So let us talk about our winner, Liza Minnelli, for the movie Cabaret, yeah. uh, performing the, what I think you would argue against, the iconic Sally Bowles for Cabaret. So I would I've argue never, against it? Well, I've never seen the movie Cabaret, but I, it, growing up, it was in like The Simpsons, and there was like little spinoffs mm-hmm. and like right. little uh, nods to it in pop yeah. culture, so... I am very aware yeah. of Cabaret, but I've never yeah. watched it. I watched I never it saw it before five years ago. Really? Yeah. I, I... It's just, I don't like Liza Minnelli. When I was mm. growing up, I was too young to really know who she was. Like, right. I knew a lot of people that were maybe five to ten years older than me. So, uh, like, the pop culture of my era wasn't aimed at my era at my age it was you know it was for older people Mm -hmm. and i remember being around people and wanting to ask who liza minnelli was because i didn't understand Mm -hmm. uh i I just you know i just didn't so things like all of the godfather films i've never seen them all of the clint eastwood westerns i've never seen uh there's a whole swath of films from the 70s that just went right by me because they weren't for me Mm-hmm. And this was one of them. I've been forced to watch. I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. One of my my least favorite decade of film is 1970s film. And because yeah. of this podcast, I have been forced to do every 1970s movie in the world. And I mean, I well, just the nominated the ones, just the nominated ones. Yeah, well, I, because this year, this year that we're talking about, this was the year that uh, What's Up Doc was was released. This is that's a fantastic movie. Um, a lot of Disney films were released this year. The Poseidon Adventure was released this year. Like there were some entertaining movies, but they weren't good enough to be nominated because they weren't artsy enough. Right. And that I think was a, a big problem that a lot of people had with the Oscars and yeah. it's becoming a lot more commercialized now. But anyway, so Cabaret yeah. yes. is a movie about a, they actually said that the, the, um, the person that actually wrote the book yeah. said that Liza Minnelli was miscast because she was too talented. The character, yeah. Sally Bowles, is supposed to be a person that has a much yeah. like much nicer opinion of their star, star quality than their actual like, level of talent. And yeah. obviously, Liza is a singer. She's a dancer. I mean, yeah. for Christ's sake, she's Judy Garland's freaking kid. But Yeah, there's uh, a reason that the Sally Bowles character is in a cabaret in in Germany and not that's right in a better place. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you couldn't have sold this movie without a good dancer and singer. That's right. 
Yeah. Although maybe it would have been like more of a comedy, but um... well, they've certainly done that on the stage. Cabaret has had its share of non-singers and dancers play Sally Bowles for sure. Well, this uh, Sally Bowles character was actually based <coughs> on a real life yeah. singer. I'm trying to Jenny something. It was oh gosh, I why wouldn't I bring that down? Well, anyway, um, Liza and her father Vincente Minnelli. Yeah, Vincente Minnelli. Vincent. Cr- Vincent, sorry, yeah. created the look of Sally um, based on the jazz age of like iconic flapper girls yeah. such as Louise Brooks and Colleen Moore. Louise Brooks, that was her name, yeah. And that, but the actual character though was like based on a cabaret singer in yeah. Berlin yeah. during the Depression. And yeah. I just for the life of me can't find this stupid name. Yeah, what's his, the, the writer or something? Um, uh, I, I am a camera, I think, or whatever that he, he she was his roommate oh that's really interesting yeah I so think... it's completely based on a real person but i know i can't i can't think of uh oh gene ross that's Sorry. there you go there it's, you go yes christopher Urshwood created sally bulls and felt that liza was too talented because her character was based on gene ross a 19 year old singer yeah. who was delusional about her star quality but probably tenacious because she was 19 you know. Oh, I thought this movie was going to be way more like Nazi-like. It's sort of the buildup of the Nazi party in Germany <laughs> during this time. But I thought it was going to be like mm-hmm. a little Holocausty for a second. But yeah. it it that it was it wasn't about that. Well, it it certainly ends on that note for mm-hmm. sure. Yes, but it's as, yes, yes, yes. but it's reflecting the buildup of that presence in Europe at that time. I think that. This role, the way that it was described, and especially the win for Liza, basically everybody said that like she had to win this Oscar because it was like everything was building up to it. It was like this role was like the role of her life that she'd been training her whole life for because at 19, she had already won a Tony. She was singing on television with her mom. Like yeah. she was she was a legit performer and she was a musical theater person. And this was the role for her i'm assuming because most oscars are sort of like investments into um you know an actor's career and i'm pretty sure that after this i don't think liza minnelli got nominated for any more movies and i think actually her career kind of took a bit of a nosedive well you know she she um she did like new york new york but it was it was it came off like a 70s film it was like there was no point why am i watching this except she and arthur or something yeah but that was a comedy and in fact as good as Dudley Moore was in it, she was fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. It was a huge, um, it was a huge um, film for her because it really established her as a comedic. Like, because she didn't sing in Arthur. Do you know what I mean? She just yeah. acted, and then and she's very good comedically, especially yeah. in cabaret. She's very good at comedic acting. Yeah, because like her first Tony was for a crappy musical, Flora the Red Menace. Mm-hmm. It, it it didn't even get nominated it, it it wasn't a good musical but she won the tony for it and it was the same creative team for cabaret on stage the musical on stage in 66 oh i didn't and, know that and they wouldn't even let her audition for it they said she was too ex- inexperienced even though she just won them a tony <laughs> so it's interesting like it, i think crazy. for her to do the movie was perfect. And I think the thing to have Bob Fosse choreograph the movie, mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons it's iconic. Like all of those little Bob Fosse isms, because you have to remember Bob Fosse had just done Sweet Charity, which was a huge flop. His first movie was Shirley MacLaine, 
and all of his dancing and choreography. I mean, Big Spender is from that movie and it's arguably the best part of the movie. But when it's all yeah. said and done, you know, he had to fight to direct this. And I, if anyone else had choreographed and directed it, I don't know. It wouldn't have been the same. No, no. There's I mean, that... the big competition was The Godfather, of course, yeah. but this yeah. film actually has the record for winning for winning the most amount of Oscars without um, winning Best Picture. Without winning eight. Best Picture, yeah. yeah. And the other thing uh, that uh, is, to me, now keep in mind, I'm not a Liza Minnelli fan. I, the, anything that I'd seen her in <clears throat> or paid attention to her in mm-hmm. was all by accident. Like it wasn't, that's not why I was watching. It wasn't for her. And, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I get it. And so here I am five or six years ago watching Cabaret for the first time. And that mine hair number mm-hmm. on the chair, like you have to remember, nobody danced on chairs then. That's right. Yeah. This was the first time that anyone's seen anybody do choreography on a chair. And right. then the way it ended with her just collapsing, like, you know, those little push bottom puppets that, you know, you, you push the bottom and they collapse because the strings all go limp. And she just collapses across that chair at the end. Like, I remember at the time going, oh, oh, okay, I see it now. I get it. I get the Liza Minnelli thing. But again, like, she's one of these people who won an Oscar and then lived the rest of her life because she won an Oscar. That's true. Yeah. I'm not really a musical or Liza fan. No, I'm a huge musical fan, but I'm not a Liza Minnelli fan. Well, she in this movie, um, I think that she demonstrated such range for her character yeah. because when she had to be all musical and musical yeah. theatery, she brought the thunder. But then whenever she had the abortion, she was devastated and she was upset. And whenever yeah. she was having that weird, oh, by the way, let's talk about the like, okay, so um, Arthur Christopher Ish Sherwood uh, yeah. was uh, critical of the film's hesitant portrayal of Brian's homosexuality because they made him like weirdly bisexual yeah. and then they wouldn't like show any like scenes like yeah. where he was kissing any other men. Yeah. Um, like and- Liza was always in the scene if there was him and another man. Yeah, yeah, and it just because when something finally happened to them, I thought the I thought the movie skipped because remember it's friggin' Basil from Austin Powers there. He like gets out of the car. And then he just gives the Max guy Liza's like, you know, married, rich, like mistress. I don't know what you would call him. But anyway, and then there's this scene where he gets out of the car and he looks at Max and they look mad about something. Yeah. But nothing was established before that. And then he goes inside and you're kind of going like, okay, so did something happen? And then he kind of later admits it. I hate that. Like, yeah. I want to see some man-on-man action. Like, But why, it was why? the 70s. They really, as arty as films could be, and as much man-on-man action as films saw before this, because th- it did happen, but they were mm-hmm. mostly European films. Like, in America, no. No. You couldn't... <laughs> even still, like, barely. Even no, now. <laughs> but even now, you know, now man-on-man action is the art film of our age. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got uh, a film about gay men... Uh, unabashedly being gay men together it's Mm -hmm. still people still like I think of all those plays from the 70s that were made into movies in the 80s you know like Boys in the Band and Parting Glances and these were all plays and you you know man on man action was all over the stages yeah (laughs) but it was still a huge thing to try and get it into the theaters and you know this was a lot of the reasons why some films didn't transfer well to uh, some plays didn't transfer well to 
uh, movies because they, there was too much uh, tweaking or, or dumbing down of stuff. And, you know, it, it really is a, re a reflection of the times as modern, like you think of the seventies and free love and the hippies. Well, as long as you were free loving against the opposite sex, then yeah, right. fine. Smoke yeah. your pot and have unprotected sex. But, and then when gays came into films, it was because of the AIDS thing, really. So gays were always portrayed in films as like the, the cautionary tale or, you know, like uh, they didn't live long in the movie. You know what I mean? Of course. There was or, always a punishment. Yeah. They were you know, bruised and battered for some reason. Like there was something and, uh, they always had to be a victim. Yeah. Always. Like my they beautiful laundrette was not like that, but it was a European film. Well, I've always said, and I've always said, I just, I want a gay movie that just doesn't ends in AIDS or a yeah. hate crime yeah. or just where it's like, I don't, they skip off into the fucking sunset, but listen, yeah. let's talk Liza. So yeah. whenever. Speaking of marrying gays. Um, well, I think one of her Oscar moments was whenever she has um, um, she's reading that letter and they uh, bumped her because she was booked and they bumped her right. and she couldn't perform. Right. And uh, she was on the bed and she was like, I'm not worthy. I'm not talented enough. This isn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then she and the gay guy like took a little trip to pound town. Yeah. Literally like um, I think that Liza was bringing this emotional range to this character. It was yeah. super three dimensional. She literally um, gave everything to okay i don't know i i, I almost kind of feel like a lot of people were also kind of going like oh look like see if judy wasn't such a mess then yeah. we could just see her do something like this and i think a lot of people were putting a lot of judy's influence onto liza because of this film right. and i think like there was a lot of speculation at the time. The press was speculating that Liza's win was perhaps restitution for Judy being passed over for Academy Awards, especially for A Star is Born, you know. Yeah, and I don't know, because I have to say, I don't think that people owe people things like that. Like when, when we talk about, oh, Betty Davis won this Oscar because she didn't win that Oscar. Uh, that wasn't about Betty Davis. That was about the studio. Do you know Are what you I mean? About for dangerous when she well, won anything, first? any any actor where that kind of conversation goes on that was earlier, like you know, and we, uh, I think because, I, I think because things like that did happen because winning an Oscar was really more of a financial thing than a, uh, you were the best. Nobody really won Oscars because they were the best. Mm -hmm. They won Oscars because that studio pushed harder or something. I mean. It came to oh, a, it's all it's yeah. all of course motivated financially, but yeah. I do know that Betty's first Oscar for Dangerous because yeah. there was an injustice of a losing for an, of human bondage, yeah, uh, which she it, totally should have won for. That was amazing. Yeah, so exactly. especially at that time, like to play drug addict, and she was responsible for her own makeup for all of that. They she did, did her, for a lot of her career. Yeah, yeah, they would put her into things, and she goes, "That's not real," and this is why she had problems with other people in her films because. She wanted it to, she wanted to sell it. And I think when you look at something like Liza Minnelli winning the Oscar, I, I, I will say this again, when I first watched it and I saw that first number, uh, mine hair, I was like, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, that was, that was impressive. Right. Um, now I say that because at the time I didn't know who she was up against. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the other things were, but 
for somebody who had dismissed Liza Minnelli for as long as I had, and then to see that, it was like, oh, oh, well, that surprised Mm -hmm. me. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone owed her mother anything. I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I I can't, I I can understand how the press would want to spin it and they want the gossip columns to talk and they want to maybe take people down a peg or put them up a peg. You know, I, I can see how those conversations happen, but I really don't think on a, on a practical and financial level that anyone owed anybody anything. I, mm-hmm. I think that uh, Liza Minnelli for her age at that time, because no offense, but they weren't giving it to either of the black women. Oh yeah. You know no, what I mean? There was, yeah. And then they weren't giving it to Maggie Smith or Liv Ullman because no offense, they weren't American. It's like Marissa Tomei winning the Oscar for my cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. She was the only American. She was great. I'm not saying that she didn't deserve accolades, but was that an Oscar performance when you compare to who she was up against? But all the women that she was up against weren't American. I did that episode. I think that was my second or third episode. Yeah. I, I picked. I picked um, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, she was. She was my pick. Yeah, but um, you know, talking about Liza though in this movie, it's like her character was expressed in song, in dance, and dramatic moments. Yeah. And I think that she was like a fully rounded character, and I think that she absolutely nailed it. But also, the film itself was so popular too because you know it dealt with homosexuality. No one was talking about that, even very though modern, it, even yeah, though it, it felt modern. Yeah. Plus, there was music, which was very entertaining. Plus, you know, Liza Minnelli in her acting scenes, like you say. She was good. Like, it wasn't like I was watching someone's daughter. I was watching an actor. Right. Yeah. 100%. Okay. I think that uh, unless there's anything else that you would like to add, I think that we've arrived at the time of where we can reveal who we think should have won. All right. Okay. Let's do so it. You, so you, Wilma Fingerdoo, oh, oh. are are my guest, so you yes. get to go first. All right. I think the Oscar should have gone to... Diana Ross. I love it. Why? I feel I wasn't expecting that from her. I didn't Mm -hmm. expect a pop singer from the 50s and 60s to get that rough and real in the 70s. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the idea of her doing Billie Holiday, like even though I didn't know who Billie Holiday was at the time, but also I didn't watch the film at the time. I've watched the film since. Mm -hmm. Um, And just knowing who Billie Holiday was, Diana Ross is the last person I would cast in that role. And right. for her to do that well, it's not her fault the film's not bi- biographically correct. And it's not her fault that there were liberties taken in the writing. But mm-hmm. she executed it stunningly. I completely agree with you. I think that there is definitely um, a a delightful shock when mm-hmm. you see her mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, the again blame the director. I don't know. Blame the writing for mm-hmm. all of the inaccuracy. That's not Diana Ross's fault. She yeah. was doing what she was told to do, yeah. and she did it very well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. I would I never. I would never. Um, I would never blame a movie on an actor. Mm-hmm unless they were the worst actor ever and somebody had forced their director to work with them. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Because there are choices. People get fired from things all the time. Mm -hmm. And she is not the worst thing. Like I, I can't believe Richard Pryor wasn't nominated. That's the problem. 
He was very good in that movie. Yeah. Very, very good. I completely agree. And okay. I can't believe he, like, I mean, it started his film career, but I'm surprised he didn't do another film like that. Mm. You know, but yeah, I, I would, I would have given it to Diana Ross in a heartbeat. Great. Okay. I love that. So, okay. I'm going to go ahead and say who I think should have won. So okay. I think that the Oscar should have gone to... Liza Minnelli for Cabaret. I really felt like um, she was um, just giving it her all. I was not never like confused about how Liza felt about any kind of situation or moment. She felt like a very modern person and she didn't yeah. care that he was gay at all. And yeah. she was like a very unconventional character who was like hanging out with like really skeezy people. And like she was... Um, but keep just, in mind that that was all part of the script. Yeah, but we she know Liza Minnelli seemed... had no trouble with gay people. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's right, but, but it was just so natural. Yeah, it it she just made it. I really loved watching her, yeah. and I really loved watching this movie. And I've never seen it before. And the only thing that I would say about this movie that I would change is that Max guy, that rich German guy, yeah. had a fucking mustache that looked like a milk mustache. Oh, barf! Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember in the nineties that like yeah. got milk and it yeah. was that stupid it's terrible? Milk Gross. Oh my god! I was like, oh, get that off your fucking face! Wipe but his otherwise, face. wipe his lip. <laughs> yes, it was driving me nuts. It looked like he had a milk mustache the whole movie. But anyway, Liza was um a. Uh, a tour de force in this movie. And I think that um, yeah. obviously she had so many resources to help her yeah. out and her whole life was kind of leading up yeah. to it. But I think that this was the role of her lifetime. It is iconic. Yeah. I loved watching this movie and I thought she was great in it. Yeah. I would not begrudge her that win ever, but mm -hmm. I think for me, you know, I, I, I think any good singer and dancer that takes direction well would have done well in that role. I think for with me, the, people the only involved. thing, but the only thing holding me back with Diana Ross, because yeah. I would have also selected Diana Ross, because uh -huh. I think that Cicely Tyson was more supporting, but she, if she won for supporting, I'd be like, absolutely. If, but with let's Diana, just say it. If Cicely was even in that movie, really, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you blink and she's done. I agree. I agree. But yeah. with Diana Ross, I think the only reason why I did not select her was just because of the fact that everybody said that she was not Billie Holiday at yeah, all. Yeah. She was incredible yeah. playing Diana yeah. Ross's version of whatever. Yeah. But well, and again, it wasn't why. her fault that wasn't the right version, and it wasn't yeah. her ver. It wasn't really her version of Billie Holiday. It was a, a combination of her performing other people's writing and someone's direction. But yeah. her choices as an actor and the the physical extremes that she put herself yes. through as a pop icon, mm -hmm. like. That proves to me right there, when you allow yourself to be ugly on film, mm -hmm. then you mean it. And I'm not saying that Liza Minnelli wouldn't be ugly in a film. And I'm not saying that she didn't deserve her Oscar, but that's the separation for me. Like Liza Minnelli played somebody who was going through some stuff for sure. But uh, she's very cute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, like there was never really a, a real bridge to cross with her performance. Mm -hmm. Do you know, it, it just was really performance period and okay. i i was a little more impressed with diana ross 
I love it. All right. Yeah. So um, that concludes another episode of Best Actress. Guys, please uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tell your gays. Uh, and, and Wilma, thank you so much for being a guest. Where can people find you on social media? Well, I am on uh, Instagram. I am the Wilma Fingerdo. Uh, on Twitter, I am W Fingerdo. And that's Fingerdo with two O's. And then my YouTube channel is the Wilma Fingerdo Review. <laughs> I love it. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for being a guest and we'll definitely have you back again. Uh, hooray. <laughs> okay. okay. Bye. Bye.